No Gods, No Monsters contains spoilers, profanity, and substance use. It was a witch! Aye. It was a witch, Mercy. You speak a right. Thomason! It was I. Liar! Twas I what stole him. I be the witch of the wood. Liar! Liar! I am. Listen not to a mercy! I am that very witch. When I sleep, my spirit slips away from my body and dances naked with the devil. That's how I signed his book. No. He bade me bring him an unbaptized babe. So I stole Sam and I gave him to my master. And I'll make any man or thing else vanish I like. <laughs> Charlie, do you believe in magic? Uh, I, uh... I'm just laying on the heavy question right out the bat, dude. I, I don't think I really believe in magic. Um, I think life has just beaten re- uh, reality into me, and now I'm just a miserable cynic. <laughs> um, communism and anarchy will never come to pass. Neoliberalism will win. Climate decay will win. Uh, uh... The death of the species of the human race will win. That's and magic does not exist. I literally partially, I partially asked this question because we have such a heavy episode today. I was trying to start a little oh. more fun. No, should, should we uh, restart? <laughs> okay, you expect so just me, to, know, me to say I do believe in magic. <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, you're a horror boy. I didn't know what you'd say. I wish I believed in magic. Maybe that's why I like For horror sure. so much, so I can escape in a land where witches, magic rules all. Hell yeah. Yeah. I I feel like the answer to that would depend on who asked me. Mm-hmm. I think that okay, I... Okay, I'm Joe Biden. Dogface uh, pony boy, do you believe in magic? Yes. Do you believe in uh, magic? Yes. I do. Because I want to show you I the do. magic of the economy and how uh, doing stuff that hurts lower wage people will help the economy and how that's basically magic. I uh, I hex you. Um, I cur- curses, curses on you, sir. <laughs> no, I just think I don't believe in like, like I'm not a very, I'm a pretty materialist person, but I also think that you know, there's a lot of ideas around magic that are interesting to me that are mm. more about like that there are things we don't we can't explain with science and that science yeah. could never maybe explain that there are like, you know, natural connections we have that like if we put our intentions towards them, we'll notice them more and actually like connect more and things like that. But yeah, and like the do I think people can like in uh, I don't know. A lot of magic stuff is really cringe to me, but some of it, some of the more like, uh, there's there's some interesting like philosophical ways of looking at magic that I think are kind of cool. Yeah. But if Joe Biden asked me, yeah, curses are real. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I did go to my town witch a couple of years ago, and I said, I want to start a podcast with a rabbit, and they said done. And I actually meant. <laughs> I meant like an actual rabbit, but uh, 
Yeah, that's the problem with yeah, wishes. You, you, you get what you ask for. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's the lesson in a lot of stories. Well, welcome to No Gods, No Monsters. We are the anti-capitalist kaiju and monster movie podcast in a world where no one's coming to save us. I'm Rabbit, here with Charlie. Today we are doing something a little different. Uh, we are looking at the 2015 film The Witch, but kind of through the lens of a book by Silvia Federici called Caliban and the Witch, Women, the Body, and Primitive Accumulation, which came out in 2004. Uh, just right off the bat, I want to say that Charlie and I recorded this episode one time before. It was the best episode we've ever done, and you'll it was, never God. hear it. You will never hear um, it. Neither will it I. Was, it, was just, <laughs> God, it was just so good. Like, this is going to be nothing compared yeah. to that. This is going to be a big uh, old shit pile. <laughs> Um, so the idea is that I was gonna kind of talk about some theories I have about how this book, um, the, by Sylvia Federici relates to the movie, The Witch. Um, there's a lot of like really awesome readings of this movie, but like, this is just one of them. This is just one way to look at this movie. And, um, that Charlie would be like the audience who's yeah. learning about this stuff for or the first time. to be more direct, I am the dumb shit listener to this podcast who doesn't really know much about anything. Um, so I'm gonna, but I'm good at acting. So I'm going to be good at playing that role. Yeah. Even though you now know everything there is yeah. to know about the subject, because Which we I, went through I did once. anyways, before you ever even brought up the idea of this episode. Oh, cause then I don't even have to. Cool. I'm, don't even have to. I'm, uh, I'm smart. Yeah. I, <laughs> so, I got a brain on me. Um, and when you have, when you're smart, you just know stuff before learning it. It's fucking wild. Hey, baby. Uh, That's what it's all about. So we're going to go into what this book is about a little more in a sec, but, um, it's about like the witch hunts in Europe, uh, in the, like going from feudalism to capitalism. And I don't know about you, Charlie, but when I learned about witch hunts like before this book before actually reading about it i i feel like i learned some like weird shit like it's barely talked about in school but we learn about it and i'm just kind of curious what your perspective on the witch hunts were what you think you've learned from like media or school or anything before um, we talked yeah so i feel most of like what i learned in school would have just been centric uh central to the new world witch hunts maybe a little bit of like uh western europe thrown in there but it was also across like eastern europe um uh most i guess probably most christian areas of the world um yeah i mean for one it was never connected to uh, uh the idea of capitalism or even um uh feminism or the or rather uh the even connected to the idea of um the patriarchy um using it to subjugate women uh which i mean i think even people that don't have much of a political mind that if you point that out they'll be pretty easily be like oh yeah that that yeah it's like, like that. a um, it's kind of like a almost a stereotypical like trope now for a democrat to say like we are the daughters of the witches you couldn't burn like a feminist like mainstream feminist um so i agree with I that. Mean, yeah joe that was joe biden's slogan and his uh <laughs> He's the daughter of the witches. <laughs> twenty twenty election. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's like the scarecrow of the witches. You couldn't burn. 
<laughs> who was, uh, I think it's Andrew Cuomo, who was like, I'm black, I'm trans, I'm a woman, because I'm the mayor of New York, the most diverse city ever. Oh <laughs> Something <my> like that. Curses <laughs> um, are real. Um, yeah, so, I mean, but I, yeah, I know just the very basics of, uh, um, I mean, basically, you're taught, like, the very basics of, oh, people are super superstitious and stupid, and now we're smart and logical, um, and that's <laughs> yes. basically it. Uh, yeah, I feel like it's often portrayed as, like, a mass hysteria of, like, ignorant peasants who believed in superstitions or, like, and kind of, like, freaked out for a while mm-hmm. or, like, uh, uh, hyper- christian people just freaking out about the devil and then you know the enlightenment came and science came and it got us out of that now we yeah. don't have to worry about that kind yeah. of thing anymore um so yeah without any kind of deeper connection to any kind of thing more systemic or at least uh related to uh systemic things that would have um still be the case uh, like yeah like in the sense that totally. they kind of just like yep well we realized it was stupid and we ended it and uh <laughs> There's nothing um, stemming from why that happened to why nothing things to happen see here. now and just a completely different... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We solved sure. it. It's all done. Wiped our hands of it. Um, uh, no, which is kind of how almost all history is taught now is just like yeah. these one thing at a time, not the long connection. That's but yeah. true. And so, if you do draw a connection, it's critical race theory and... Uh, <laughs> or extreme, extremism yeah. or mar- cultural Marxism. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> totally. Are well, you trying to make white men feel guilty? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, in this book, Silvia Federici basically makes the argument uh, pretty convincingly that the witch hunts actually were like a top-down thing. They were basically a specific, concerted, violent part of the development of capitalism. Like, in some ways, they were like a state terror campaign that was also supported by the church and rich people were complicit, but like an aspect of the class war that was meant to force women into a new role so that capitalism could function. So um, we're going to kind of go into what that means and look at ways that this movie connects to these ideas in some really kind of cool and interesting ways, I think. Yes. Well, first I want to tell you a story um, from when I went to Salem. Uh, So... To get the full weight of this, you would need a Boston accent, and neither of us can do a Boston accent. You sent me a link on how to learn a Boston accent in the last couple of days. In and only six hours. You yeah. said how to learn a Boston accent in six <laughs> hours. Six hours? Damn. Okay. Yeah. I was actually meaning to watch that video and try to like work on a Boston accent, but I completely forgot. But if it was supposed <laughs> to take six hours, then fuck it. I would have done it anyways. <laughs> Um, for this one really short story yeah yeah <laughs> um, but anyways uh my friend and i we were in uh new england we uh were going to a uh a friend of hers is having a gay mormon wedding in new hampshire um hell yeah as which, you do yeah uh pretty cool and interesting um but so then we also spent some time in uh boston and i wanted to go to salem because you know i'm i'm a horror boy and horror boys like salem uh, it's a fact. <laughs> it's um, true. 
It's true. Yeah. What can we say? So we were at the Salem Cemetery, and there's this family next to us, and I overheard their conversation. They're looking at a grave. Wait, so you're at the cemetery. Were you there just because cemeteries are creepy? I mean, that's like a central part of like the tours of oh, Salem. Okay. Is like you go to I the... I haven't been there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm scared of ghosts. I mean, ghosts won't harm you unless you're a bad person. So they would fucking murder you. Um, I know it. Yeah. So uh, this family was next to us and I overheard them talking and they're looking, they're looking at a gravestone and the mom is like, oh, so they came on. <laughs> they came on the second or third. Remember, this is a thick Boston accent and I'm not even <laughs> yeah, going to, yeah, I'm not even going to try Everybody <laughs> close your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> even if you're driving. And just picture a Boston accent in your mind as Charlie tells the yes. story. Uh, you're like, uh, oh, this these people came on the second or third boat. And then um, the son, the oldest son said, well, our family came on the first boat, uh, did, didn't didn't we? And the mom said, yeah, yeah, we came on the first boat. And so, so that means that we're better than everyone, right? And the mom said, yeah, that means we're better than everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of the funniest things I've ever overheard. And it's just that kind so, of uh stereotypical Boston like uh uh self confidence and uh, superiority. Because complex. your ancestors came on a on the first boat. When, yeah. That doesn't mean any that's not a thing. Are you with fucking Leif Erickson? Like what are you talking about? And it's not like they're I, they're standing there like uh you know, look in like dressed in like super nice clothes, like they have any kind of like anything that's um not that I I think that would make anybody better, but not, nothing that like society kind of agrees to make you a, a better person, you know. <laughs> oh, that makes it dark, like this is all they have. Yeah, this is it. That's true. <laughs> I should have said, you know what? You are better than everyone else. <laughs> I overheard you. I just wanted to chime best. in really quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, My so, family came sorry, on like the overheard. 50th boat. I can tell you're from the first boat. Yeah. I can tell. <laughs> yeah, well, part of uh, what Federici argues is that the, I mean, this is just true, is that the transition from feudalism to capitalism, one of the things that you know, governments wanted to enforce was the nuclear family. They wanted to get rid of, like, more communal, like, larger family yeah. uh, units because, you know, the nuclear family is kind of the perfect little unit to, to, like, run a house and be part of wages. And I think it shows the danger of the nuclear family that, like, somebody could say something like that consistently to their son, and it's just a thing you say all the time, yeah. and you're fucking like ruining a brain yeah and nobody else is there to be like what are you talking about <laughs> and something like that where they've obviously said that for generations <laughs> yes yes or or not at all and she just made that shit up no, and thought of it that's very very possible and actually probably more <laughs> likely <laughs> yes, <definitely. laughs> sweet um, well now that we've had that palate cleanser uh, you want to go into the movie The Witch? <clears throat> okay. Witch country. This hey. one's... Okay, witch nation. Um... Nope. Uh... Okay, witch, uh, witch landlords. 
Nope, that's bad too. That's uh, bad too. And you don't really remember this episode at all, do you? <laughs> you think all that stuff's good. Hey, uh, uh, witch peeps. Um, Acceptable. This one's for all of you hexers and uh, um, inductioners. Uh, in- yeah. yeah. <laughs> Spellcasters. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 1630s New England. Now, uh, to get the full picture, picture, this is all in a heavy Boston accent. <laughs> yeah, of course. 1630s New England, a time and place where you could hardly look at the sky without the moon illuminating a cool-ass lady riding a broom. The white people in the New World being annoyingly religious, we enter on a family being banished from the town for having a dispute over whose vein of being annoyingly Christian is correct. Spoiler, neither correct, only Satan is correct. They scuttle off to build an isolated farm on the edge of a wood that is actually home to some witches. One of those witches steals their infant child, and thus the family's woes begin as the crops fail and they get all sad and boo-hoo about losing a child. I mean, you had too many children anyways. Satan is doing you a favor by taking one. Maybe don't look a gift goat in the mouth? As the new farm begins to fall apart, the parents discuss giving up their eldest, the daughter Thomason, and so Thomason and her brother Caleb secretly go in the woods to check traps for food. While there, they stumble across a devil bunny with nasty, big, pointy teeth. The devil bunny separates Thomason and Caleb, and Thomason goes back to the family while Caleb gets witch-fucked. Now, that, that's just a metaphor. He isn't lucky enough to literally get witch-fucked. Thomason ultimately gets blamed for her brother's disappearance, and when he shows up to the farm bewitched, she gets suspected of being a witch. Well, she isn't a witch, but when her brother dies of witchery, when her twin siblings get stolen by a witch, and when her dad gets killed by a Satan goat, and when she's forced to kill her mother in self-defense, she decides, fuck it, if God is handing me this much shit, I might as well make an alliance with the devil. And she does, and so floats up in the sky with her new sisters. The end. Also, the witch hunts are a result of the powers that be, cracking down on women who refuse to fill the new role forced upon them by the transition from feudalism to capitalism. Hail Satan, it's the witch, baby. Man, it's it's kind of wild how you got that last part from this movie. I, maybe we should talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like Robert Eggers lays his, the case out pretty clearly. <laughs> it's on his sleeve, yeah. This is yeah. an anti-capitalist film, and we all knew it the first time we saw uh-huh. it. I mean, every, it's crazy. Like, all 30 movies we've covered so far have all been anti-capitalist. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. <laughs> it's almost like capitalism is bad, and no matter what your intentions, you can't help but show it through any art form. Yeah! That's um, the... the the thesis of this podcast. Hell yeah. One time I told somebody about this podcast and they asked what our thesis was. And I said, we don't have one. Because <laughs> I didn't know what to say. What? <laughs> I know. They literally said that to me. And I had just met them. Ooh. <laughs> it sounds like you met a nerd. <laughs> so. person, uh, if you're listening, um, uh, you're a nerd. But I'm the one saying it, not Rabbit. So you can't blame him and get mad at him and also if also, i ever meet you, you just, actually it was rabbit that said it and not me um but you just only brought up what the thesis was though like <laughs> it was you <gasps> okay charlie uh i've been listening the... to joe rogan podcast lately oh what's the thesis of that podcast <laughs> <laughs> this is 
dude. I think he, to be fair, I think he said, does it, does it have like a thesis okay. or something? And I was just like, no. I like, I didn't even say, I don't know. Anyway, okay. Uh, bef- uh, before we like go into the book and all the things we're going to kind of try to uh, parallel with the movie in general, uh, what did you, what do you think of this movie, The Witch? So this is my second time seeing it. I first saw it when it was in theaters in... I think it was 2016. Uh, um, back when I first saw it, I liked it, but I had the problem of um, whenever I choose a movie to watch for someone, I'm always just my anxiety just get, gets a hold of me, and the entire time I'm obsessing over whether or not the other person's enjoying it. So I myself totally. can't fully enjoy it. So I was really excited about seeing this, but. Um, I went to see it with a friend and like the whole time I was just like glancing over her. Like, can I tell whether or not she's liking it from her facial expressions? Uh, I add on to that, like we had been up drinking the night before. So it was kind of like a, it was a hungover afternoon. Sure. So I think we went to like a 12 o'clock show or something like that. And uh, there's no subtitles in this movie, but they're pretty much speaking a foreign language. So... <laughs> um, it, I, it's called I, the Boston accent. You'll figure it out one yeah. day. Uh, yeah, I mean, really, personally, I think everyone should talk like a Saint, mid-30s St. Louisian from uh, 2022, and I think the whole world would be a better place, um, and the Noted. List, if somebody might disagree with that, but give, let's give it a try, and then we'll see. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it when I first saw it, but I didn't, I couldn't fully enjoy it uh to my full uh stupendous capabilities uh but <laughs> this time when watching it like i i loved it it's it's truly just it's a perfect movie um i i mean i don't mean that it's one of my favorite movies ever but everything it's going for it achieves perfectly it's just yep. a master class and atmosphere the acting is just really amazing. Uh, it's it's very creepy and scary at points. Um, yeah, it's, it is a slower burn, but uh, uh, I like slow burns, and I think it. Uh, I, yeah, I think it pulls it off perfectly. I think it's just a great movie, um, and I'm really excited. Uh, this is the only movie I've seen by him. I have a Blu-ray of Light, The Lighthouse, which I have not gotten around to watching yet. So I'm excited to watch that. His new movie um, is about to come out. The The Northerns, or what? What is it again? I don't remember. Uh, like the Northman or something. Yeah. The, and then uh, it was just recently revealed that he had been planning to follow up The Witch with his with an adaptation of Nosferatu or the remake of Nosferatu, but. Uh, that got set aside and it just came out that he filed like, uh, uh, to get the rights or something. He filed like, uh, the ability to film in uh, the Czech Republic or something like that. Oh, nice. So, uh, it, it looks like that's going to be going forward. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's and that, sick. that's also with, um, the lady who plays Thomason in this, uh, I think it's Anna Taylor joy or something, something like that. Um, and she's also in his new movie. Yeah. Um. And so is the guy who plays William in this. Though I don't think he's a big role. And uh, whatever his name is, something Skarsgård, the guy from he's in like everything now, including uh, Godzilla vs Kong. Yeah. Guy. I, there's like 
five scars guards. I never can remember. It's that is the one I was talking about. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you yeah, think of it? I I agree with you on everything. I fucking love this movie. I mean, like the acting, the visuals, the setting, like the kind of claustrophobic feeling where once they're on this farm, even though they keep saying they're going to leave, you just get, you know, more and more as it goes that they're not going to leave. And like, I feel like this movie, okay, I've always been kind of interested in what like, you know, people who believe in like super superstitious people or like religious people, how they like see the world. Because like as somebody who doesn't ever remember believing in God, I feel like the idea that people around (gasps) me just think like the devil exists is such a trip. Like what is happening in your mind? You think there's angels and shit like, whoa, like that's (laughs) just such a different reality to me. And so I feel like this movie excellently kind of shows what it's like to just be in your own world where you all like live you literally live in a different reality if you think that differently and this is kind of an example of like what it must feel like in on some level to believe that your daughter could be infested with the devil and that's such a trip and they pull it off so well and yeah so i already fucking loved this movie it creeped the hell out of me but uh now that i've like read more about witches and seen how accurate this is with a lot of the witch hunt stuff i love it even more and it's just it's a fucking awesome movie i I can't say enough good things about it it's sick hell yeah sweet well uh all right so i want to start talking about this book and um i mean there's so much to this book we're just gonna like scratch the surface this is gonna be my interpretation of parts of the book that i think apply to this movie I highly recommend checking out the book yourself. It's free online. Um, I believe it's uh, anti-copyright. Uh, we'll all have links in the show notes to like other media about it. Um, uh, how long is the book, by the way? Is it, it like is... a thick tomb or? Okay. It's, it's... Uh, 250 pages-ish. Yeah. So it's like halfway between the Communist Manifesto and uh, Capital. <laughs> That's how people do it. And no, yeah. that's how I measure. It's not even. It's way closer to Communist Manifesto than the eight hundred and fifty page Capital without endnotes. Um, yeah, it's it's doable. It's it's digestible for sure. And I've heard some people say that it's not like approachable. I'm pretty deep in theory right now, so for me, it was pretty chill. There's a few like just like any. I mean, like a lot of books, I had to look up stuff to understand what was going on, but it's not like, it's not like trying to read Capital or something. Yeah. Um, I know I've said before on the podcast, like my brain can just not handle theory. Um, I don't It's probably a combination of uh, stupidity and ADD and um, uh, stupidity and uh, just uh, being a shallow person it's very obvious to everyone on here you're you're a dumb man that's I why mean, we all listen to you that's for sure. you pretty much text me um not every day but probably on average every other day i try every day give me yeah. a break <laughs> yeah i mean there's some theory in there but most of it's history um which is not my bag as much but i think a lot of people yeah, yeah would see, like I, it more than reading i like history theory. a lot so yeah maybe, maybe yeah, I, should, I, I should try it out sometime should give it a go um so basically, Federici is arguing that the witch hunts, um, 
which mostly took place in the book mostly covers the 1500s to like 1650 in Europe that they were the result of and part of the transition from feudalism to capitalism. So I just want to go into those terms to start off the bat. So first, since we're in it right here, let's start with capitalism. Um, you know what capitalism is. You live in it. You see it all around you. But because we're so in it, we're like fish in water. It's kind of like actually hard to see what it is, you know? Yeah, I, I do think a lot of people need to have it more defined because to most people, it's just this is what reality is. And yeah, um, or capitalism is money. Yeah, um, I mean, it's also just like anything that isn't capitalism is ancient history. Um, yes, this is. Yeah, this is just what reality totally. is. Totally. Yeah. And one one thing about talking about like uh times when there were different economies and different political structures is it's like it's hard to get across how different everything is. Like capitalism we describe as our economic structure, but it's everything. Mm -hmm. It's from our how we see our entertainment to how we interrelate with each other to how we view the world is infested with it. Yeah. And so when we talk about feudalism versus capitalism, it's hard to get across that people thought and saw the world literally totally different than we do. And that's partially why capitalism had to be imposed violently because it went against how everyone was living and how they saw things, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like... um when you say people don't realize how ingrained capitalism is and everything, it's like when you say, you know, everything is inherently political, people are just like, what the fuck are you talking about? And it's just like, because yeah. everything is done for some political reason, whether or not the person doing it realizes it, you know, yes, you, totally. that person's perspectives are informed by politics or just, uh, whether or not they realize it because politics builds up everything about their lives. Uh, yeah, it's just. It's and then just suddenly Gamera has an agenda. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> so let me try to give a little crack at capitalism. Um, very basic. Capitalism is an economic structure based on wages, like working for payment. I like wages. Who doesn't? Um, and private property. Um, it is a system where the majority of people work for the few. The few are the capitalists who own the means of production. And what that means is the ability, the stuff you need to make more stuff, mm -hmm. to make more money. So most, it's a system where most people clock into a job or and get paid to do that for a capitalist and the capitalist owns the the uh machines and the building and the land and like i mean land in general and you are kind of getting paid to use that that's yeah the, um, the long and short of it yeah so like even even like your managers are also just uh the the proletariat they're the the wage people even though they're uh higher above you they're still not the owners of uh the capital and it gets complicated because your manager could make enough money off of their job that they get paid more than you to to start own a side land thing. yeah or to own land and oh, then yeah. that land can become capital because they can sell it it gets way more it's way yes. murkier than it used to be but that's the basic thing um so feudalism was a lot different. Feudalism was mostly from the 9th to the 15th century. 
basically, it was kings and shit. We was kings, <laughs> yeah, castles and shit. Moats. Yeah, castles, Confused knights, <laughs> dragons. Um, basically, I mean, it's way more complicated than this. It was always in flux, just like capitalism is really complicated and always in flux. But the uh, the main way it worked was you had like peasants and serfs who instead of capitalists there were lords and the lords oh they capitalist or the uh the serfs or the peasants they worked for the lords just like we work for the capitalists but instead of getting wages there were some wages but it wasn't the main thing they would get to live on a part of the lord's land they didn't own that land, but they kind of did. Like, their relations to things were just different, where, like, they could pass it down generation to generation to, like, through their families. And they got to grow food on the land to sustain themselves. They lived on it. They could raise animals on it. They basically had this land as a way to sustain themselves, just like we have a wage to sustain ourselves. But then they also worked on the Lord's land and all the things that they worked like did for the Lord on the not part they're living on goes to the Lord and a part of this stuff they produce on their own land goes to the Lord also like 10% or something. And in some cases, some goes to the church. So instead of getting wages, you basically get the means for your own reproduction. You get the land and the shelter and stuff on the Lord's land that keeps you alive and able to go work on their land. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I just want to put in, Three things. One, surf's up, bro. Uh, yeah. Two, Rabbit just edited out a burp of mine during that, that uh, spiel. Um, and three, so there's pretty much like no upward mobility, right? It's just... I don't know enough about it to be sure, but it it, it sure doesn't seem like it. It mm-hmm. feels like it was more based in like, you know, family lineages. Like you passed your your little part down your little part of the land down and the uh the lords were passing their their thing down like way more nepotism yeah um kind of like now yeah i mean yeah i was about to say (laughs) it's not like there's a lot of upward mobility now but but the myth that like the idea that that should be a thing is probably way more ingrained now than it was then Mm mm-hmm Back then, you probably, like, just were a serf. But I don't know a ton about how people viewed their situation like that back then. Yeah. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So one other thing under feudalism was that you had your land that you lived on, but there was also stuff called the commons. So the commons were, like, like fields, for instance, that you could graze your animals on, even though you didn't live on them. It was kind of public. Anybody could use them. A lot of times, rather than like people just kind of randomly using them, uh, villages of serfs would set up like councils to figure out like what to grow on this land, uh, what when the livestock should be there. They'd kind of like make group decision making. But it was public lands that you had access to. And it wasn't just fields. Also, things like streams and wilderness were like kind of commons. They were things that you could use to help sustain yourself. You could go get wood. You could go hunt. You could fish. And these were all things that like supplemented your existence so that you could... It was like basically a part of life that was part of the economy that kept the lower classes going. I mean, it was also a place where you could congregate with others and uh, be used for recreation and um, alleviate some of the misery in uh, your existence. 
Totally. Last time we did this, this is where you mentioned forest orgies, I think. Um, that doesn't <laughs> sound like something I'd say, but there's also somewhere where you could have tons of forest orgies, or um, <laughs> even, I, I want to throw this out there, river orgies. Yeah. There's totally. a river in the commons. Creek orgies, those are uh, underest- undervalued, in my opinion. Um, often Disagree. Overlooked. Opposite. Opposite. Okay. Way more creek orgies happening, at least in Oregon, than in uh, the rivers that could really, really tough to stand in. Yeah, that's why you got to get yourself a boat. Uh, true, true, true. Yeah. Um, I'm just, yeah, like this is me, my boatless, talking like an idiot. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, a, there's one term that I threw out that I think we should define right now, which was the term reproduction. So, yeah, uh, forest orgies, baby. <laughs> So, uh, first, there's there's production and there's reproduction under both capitalism and feudalism. Uh, these are the way like Marx and Federici use these because yeah. Federici is what's called an autonomous Marxist. Doesn't really matter exactly what that is. She used a lot of Marxist ideas, like a lot of thinkers do, but also criticized his looking like the things he looked at, especially his completely overlooking the women, uh, the role of women in a lot of cases. But she also is a Marxist, heavily relies on his ideas. Yeah. Um, I just want to say, if the listener wants to do like a pause to do a Google break to Google uh, reproduction, um, you know, this would be a good time so you can know more about reproduction and get that out of your system. So, so Charlie, if I say like uh, production, what does that mean to you? Like under capitalism or under feudalism? That means the uh, making of a uh, commodities which can sell or uh, create a profit so i work retail i go out and uh you know i gather items that people order online i put stuff on shelves i take stuff from trucks and that ultimately is part of the process of that stuff getting sold so that's uh, producing um that's part of the production totally. process yeah so production is like you said creating uh, anything that can be sold on the market, anything that can be sold on the market is a commodity. Uh, that's mm. the, what commodity means. And so production is, yeah, like manufacturing, creating items to sell or under feudalism, not everything was sold, but creating items um, to give to the Lord or whatever. And then reproduction is the other stuff the economy requires for the laborers to keep their labor power going to keep working that isn't like uh, like acknowledged by the market as much that isn't creating commodities so reproduction is reproducing yourself sustaining yourself um eating your shelter your transportation all the things that make your label labor possible are reproduction and so that you can produce for the capitalist or for the lord um it's really insulted you didn't ask me so I could throw in a sex joke. Uh, I don't know what's wrong with you. I think you need to reevaluate the thesis of our podcast. But uh, speaking of uh, sex jokes, reproduction is also um, uh, producing babies. So you have a uh, further uh, uh, workforce. Uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So reproduction is reproduction. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, yeah, 100%. That's part of it. Um, so... Basically, you had feudalism, had people like people didn't love it, but but it was a thing. And then capitalism was coming in and it wasn't like everybody just loved these new changes that would eventually become capitalism. They were very uh, foreign to people and they basically had to be enforced. And so 
Oh yeah, one thing I want to throw out before we get there is that one thing you'll notice about this system that's different of feudalism to capitalism is under feudalism, there wasn't a very strong like division of labor between men and women. They might have been like women were definitely treated differently than men and were worse off in a ton of ways, um, even back during feudalism, like for sure. But also there wasn't the same kind of roles expected of women and then roles expected of men like there wasn't even that big of a division between labor and housework. Like when you're working on your field, working on your house, that's all part of your reproduction at once. Then you're going over to the Lord's land and working on it. And so there's a division between your reproduction, your working on your own land and sustaining yourself and your work for the Lord. But there wasn't like, oh, one of us goes and does work for the Lord and one of us takes care of the house. It was kind of, it was more uh, a group effort, if that makes sense. So would you say with the... uh striving towards gender equality we're essentially striving for feudalism i would not i would okay. not say that well um i beg that's a good differ. question though <laughs> um, that's my goal i definitely do not want to glorify feudalism but i gotta say there's yeah. a lot of things that when you hear about them you're like oh come on really like <laughs> oh uh when like the Catholic Church started taking over, and so they decided to. Oh no, the Protestant Church. Sorry, as part of like capitalism, that was like in tied in there, and so they got rid of all the Catholic holidays. For some places and some people, getting rid of the saints' days meant you worked twice as much in a year. Well, <laughs> that's a lot, man. Why? It's like why? Why don't you just I... do what they did with like Christmas, where they're like. Oh, these other people are, uh, they celebrate this time of year. Let's just create, let's just say that's Jesus's birthday. So we still, we still have that day that we can be festive over, even if we're changing what's about. Like, why don't you just do that? Why do you have to just eliminate it? Because they need more labor power. But Oh yeah, I guess so, Protestants yeah. are all about that work ethic bullshit. Uh, that's <laughs> kind of like they what's... Always, they weren't, they weren't always, that's part of capitalism. So... As capitalism began to be imposed, things happened like the commons started to be enclosed. Like they closed off the common areas slowly, incrementally to the public. So they were less and less. Um, instead of working on the Lord's land in exchange for like having a plot of land of your own, serfs and workers began to ha work for a wage instead. And then that wage was supposed to pay for them to have a place to live. Some of this was actually due to like progressive like wins uh, mm -hmm. from the workers like like serfs were sick you could when you're a serf you could tell oh now i'm working on my sustenance and all this time i'm working for the lord like you can see it you're walking over there and doing a different thing they just wanted to be like paid and not have to deal with that but what happened then is it became our situation where they're getting paid for a wage so you can't tell what time of day you stop working for your sustenance and start getting just exploited by your your boss. And so it's just complicated. It wasn't like, it was like there were revolts. There were people fighting mm. against feudalism for something better. There were people who wanted some of the things that became capitalism. It got really, it was really complicated. Yeah. I was going to say one of the things people credit for the creation of capitalism is, uh, it being like a result of the peasant revolts and stuff that were happening. Um, for sure. For sure. And I mean, well, let's. Uh, I could go on and on about how all revolutions end yeah. up in a bad place a lot of times, but we don't. We don't have the time. So now you have this new system where the the commons are getting closed off and privatized. The lords are getting to keep all their land, but they have to 
pay a wage to their sir to their to their workers and the workers no longer have the commons to help like supplement their survival mm. so they're kind of relying on the lord's wage for all of their survival now yeah which so in some ways in some ways not always that's actually putting more strain on the lord to sustain these folks because the the folks don't have any other sustenance it's just like us now we just rely on our bosses for our entire survival right yeah um another thing about the commons like i pointed out before is also a place where people can congregate and stuff like that so it's also just uh, an escape from your work in some ways and also in the role in the case of women you know we'll get more into how they're putting this role of reproduction, but also now they're just going to be more and more just bind to the house now that they don't even have yes. commons to like go and like hang out in. Totally. And as we'll see, they become more and more bound to a man because mm-hmm. as we know about the history of capitalism, mostly workers that what they wanted for laborers was men. So suddenly they don't have the commons to rely on. Suddenly, the man is being asked to work more and the women not. And the man is just supposed to do production like all the time, like the hours were crazy. So there needed to be, according to capitalist logic, some place like the commons where uh, like that could help with the role of reproduction. Men are doing production now. And so suddenly women are kind of, in a way, replacing the commons and replacing the serfs' land as the place that the now specifically male or mostly male workers could exploit mm-hmm. for reproduction. So the men could, in order for like the factories to keep going with men like working in them all the time, women were expected to do all of the things that kept the man alive, kept the labor power arriving, including reproduction, like reproduction and reproduction, mm-hmm. making more laborers women who kind of resisted this new role, this like way more defined role, women who challenged this role or women who like didn't fit into the role, like older women who were kind of left behind, you know, as the, as capitalism enforced more and more through social pressures and things, this like nuclear family that was like a man, a wife and the kids, like older women who didn't have support were kind of just like beggars and there were more vagabonds everywhere. And all of a sudden, like, there was just problems with people not wanting to conform to this. And those women were punished and killed. Some men too, but mostly women, like 80% women and basically called witches. Yeah. And one of the things Federici is criticized for in this book that's valid is, uh, is overestimating the amount of witches killed. She said, this was written in 2004. She said like a hundred thousand witches were killed. Um, she was coming out of like a feminist, uh, I don't know what you call it, discourse that had been going from for the suffragettes on where like the numbers, the estimates used to be like 9 million. And then uh, now most people, as far as I can tell, scholars would say it's more like 50,000, which is still fucking crazy. Yeah. Like, 50,000 people killed as witches. Yeah, especially when you, you think about like what they're being executed four like yes it's just like such a crazy thing that they're being killed for (laughs) so yes like that's that is still like a huge fucking number and i kind of think of it like 
it the, when you talk about this, it can sound because like people would be accused, women would be accused for being of being witches for all these things that we'll go into when we're talking about the movie. But like a lot of them were just things that kind of didn't fit into their role. Yeah. Um, being promiscuous or or even like a lot of things like stealing or, or like cursing people like all, there's a lot of different things but yeah i just want to say you say women um one of the things about it is like if it wasn't only women there's still there were also like teenage girls and young adolescent girls like yeah uh people like you know were like I think there are girls that are like six or something who were sometimes yeah. killed. Uh, I mean, the vast, vast majority were over 40, women over 40, yes, yes. But, a, but a lot of younger people too. And at first it was more men. And then as the patriarchy got stronger and stronger, it was less and less men as time went on too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, kids, like she was so fucked up. And I, I think it's easy to talk about this and be like, oh, people who weren't fitting in the gender role or people who like uh, were seen as criminals were accused of being witches as an easy way to demonize them and they were killed. And so like it makes it sound like there weren't witches. I think there were fucking witches. I think there was people who were doing folk magic like the world back then mm-hmm. was becoming like the scientific revolution was happening. But at, that also kind of had to be imposed. Like the world was way more enchanted back then, and that's what yeah. Federici talks about. Was like people and saw like magic and everything, and luck and everything. Even Christians. Satan was still young and like sowing his oats and like a bachelor, so he was just <laughs> getting all over the fucking place. I I think I heard once, uh, or no, I did hear once that people think he had probably like around fifty uh, sexually transmitted diseases because that dude got the fuck around. Damn, that's wild. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't want to make it sound like there weren't witches, but it's kind of like now. It's like there are a ton of Marxists, but the mainstream calls mm-hmm. anybody talking about race a Marxist now. Yeah. Or there are a bunch of – there are people who worship Satan, but like yeah. not all the heavy metal people in the 70s that the moms were freaking out about. Actually, like it, it becomes a scapegoat yeah. to vilify um, everybody. You uh, know what I mean? Uh, Jordan Peterson, a couple weeks ago, he's like – People insult me because they say I don't know what a postmodern Marxist is. And here's a <laughs> list of postmodern Marxists. And he just has like a bullshit long list of people. And Including like per- Michel Foucault. Yeah, he's like, and Foucault needs to be uh, put in twice because of how much of a postmodern Marxist he is. <laughs> Foucault, when people would ask him about Marx, would say, don't talk to me about that man. I don't care about that man. That's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the deal. That's the that's the backdrop. And, um, I mean, basically the result of the the witch hunt, which happened mostly in Europe, but also in North and South America, was the killing of probably around 50,000 people, um, mostly women. The gender roles that we see, like, in society today that we're trying to, like, kind of escape from, but, like, that we kind of think of as going forever back, Mm -hmm. most of them, or a ton of them, were established during this time to work within capitalism. That's such an insane thing. Just, I mean, like you said... We we kind of look at it like that's just how it's always been, and we're trying to change it. But yeah, it's it's yeah. really hard to kind of put your mind around like, oh, actually, that's more just uh, capitalism. <laughs> yeah, and like a lot of the things like men have dominated women. The patriarchy has been going on for way way longer than yeah. This. Read your Bible. Oh, um, yeah. 
a lot of the more minute aspects or even not minute, but like the specifics mm. are way more recent than I would think. Yeah. So, yeah. And the last like big result of this is like capitalism exists, like because this worked, the framework, the the labor, the reproduction power of needed for capitalism to exist was established. And this was a huge part of it. So before we dive into the movie, I want to say there's there's a lot of differences between the the movie and the book. Obviously, this is not an adaptation of this book by any means. Yeah. But there's a few I just want to point out to start. So one is that uh, Caliban and the Witch mostly talks about Europe and the film takes place in North America, in New England. And there is an entire chapter of Caliban and the Witch that's about uh, North and South America, but it's this movie seems to be using the ideas of witches that were more common in Europe specifically because this is like an all white family, and mm. most of the stuff, most of the witches or the people who are hunted and accused of being witches in North and South America and Central America were like African slaves, indigenous people. It was kind of like. Huh. A mixture of a lot of other. I didn't know that. I um. I always saw it as white people. Like I know that there was like a history of um, still is a history of you know uh, Africans being connected to the the forms of witchcraft as well as as, as indigenous people. But I never kind of saw that in the same realm as the witch hunts type of thing. Uh, Totally. And yeah, there's a lot of parallels of like, you know, even even in more way more modern eras, like, oh, if somebody is doing like something that I see as primitive, that's devil worship or yeah. whatever. Um, And yeah, there were there was like obviously Salem witch trials. There were areas where white women were accused and where that was the thing. But it was just way, way less prevalent than I think we think in North America. Yeah. And it was a way bigger thing in Europe and this just the I just want to basically point out that the parts that I'm going to be connecting to this movie are more of what she talks about happening in Europe and the movie actually does kind of mention the thing this phenomenon that happened in North America there's that one part do you remember when they mentioned Indian magic yeah they talked about how somebody else was uh wished by Indian magic or something like that and then she even says that was witchcraft you yeah. know um, so there is like a hint at it, but it's not, you know, the main no. thing in the movie. Um, also it's, we're going to be talking about like economic systems and it's really hard to tell what, if any economic system, I mean, there's something happening, but is happening in the movie. We're going to dive into that later, but I'm not trying to say this is feudalism or capitalism. I'm more talking about how witches are characterized in the movie, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, even though this isn't. Like, the movie isn't explicitly political, it's not talking about capitalism, it's not talking about feudalism. The horror elements in the movie are based on real, prevalent beliefs about witches, and those beliefs are socially and politically founded. So it's the connection is there even if it wasn't intended, it ties back to reality, which I think this film did an awesome job of using historical evidence to, like, frame it in ways that, like... Almost well, all the stuff they talk about with witches, like, was stuff that happened with witches, which kind of blew my mind. Yeah, well, even at, at the end, it says the majority of the dialogue um, 
is yeah. taken from historic records, which I don't fully understand, like, why... I mean, I get it the very in the first scene when they're talking in like a front of a of like a whole community of people. Like, yeah, that that stuff could be recorded, uh, written down. I don't understand like all this family interaction would have been recorded. Uh, but I mean, that's what I mean. It says I think at the end. there were a lot of detailed accounts of like, like people would accuse people yeah. of witches, and they would kind of have to put what happened, and they would write down like, well, she came over and this woman she came over and she begged for a horse and then we said scram and then all our horses died and i said duh that's a witch inside of her and that blah and like you'd get all these accounts that i bet they could get a lot of the pieces from which is crazy because witches they're usually like animals i mean they're gonna put like a curse on you they're not gonna kill i'm not saying that they're they they would not they never hurt animals or don't use animals part of the magic but if they're gonna do that they're just gonna put the curse on you and your family and not on your horses it is on you to not have any horses yeah but i would have we're we're checking the logic of somebody who's claiming somebody was a witch because they begged them for stuff all the witches i've known and been yeah. Um, they would have just taken away their their butts so they wouldn't be able to sit on the horse. And then they True. might then they pretty much don't have any horses. Such a good tactic. Take yeah. notes, which is mm-hmm. Okay, so let's start talk about some of the major elements of the witch hunts that you can find in the film. So Fucking metal. Oh, sorry. I that's just a major element of witches in general, not just this film. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> So one of the big important contexts for when and where major sets of witch accusations and, and, and witch hunts happened was where there was food scarcity. So uh, can you think, uh, Charlie, of like a thing that food scarcity would have to do with the movie? Uh, yeah, um, it's kind of cool how they, they put it out there. They first go to this place and they, they see it as this kind of glorious farmland, but... Uh... Then, like, it cuts to, like, oh, shit, their crops are failing, so they need to set up traps. They need to sell a silver cup to buy traps, and the traps aren't catching anything, and uh, um, they're getting all food fucked and hungry. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So that's kind of, before even Sam is kidnapped, the, the first bad thing that happens that starts to bring on the the series of terrible events is their their foods rotting right mm-hmm. um so according to sylvia federici the key decades of witch trials in europe were from fifth the 1550s to the 1630s and that was the same time that the price of food was skyrocketing on page 80 when talking about food she says The desire for it among the poor reached epic proportions, causing nightmarish obsessions, such as the conviction that witches roamed the countryside at night to feed upon their cattle. Food became an object of such intense desire that it was believed that the poor sold their souls to the devil to get their hands on it. And just that line of, like, people having nightmarish obsession because they have no food really resonates with me in this movie. Oh, yeah, totally. Um... It, like... It feels like they're part of the reason they're losing it. Like, we know they're fasting. We know they're fucking hungry. Yeah. Uh, As a side note, though, the part of that that really fucks with me is this thought that people sold their souls to the devil for food. Like, I gotta say, if there is a god, go fuck yourself. People are... (laughs) 
are so fucking hungry, they're selling their soul to the devil, and you're going to sit and be like, oh, sorry, you sold your soul to Satan because you're fucking starving. <laughs> like, what a sh- yeah. shitty, shitty... How are the Christian anarchists when that's your god? When that's well, your god? I don't, I don't think that's their god. I don't think... <laughs> We love our Christian anarchist comrades. Um, well, that one, that's their God. Well, okay. So, yeah, witch accusations were more common also in areas where the land was privatized and where the commons had been closed. And areas like Ireland and the Scottish Western Highlands, uh, where like a collective land tenure system and like strong family and kinship ties were still prominent, didn't have women getting accused of being witches. But areas where they were like, no, you can't go here anymore. Oh, you can't hunt anymore. Oh, you don't get your own land anymore. Suddenly there's fucking witches everywhere. Um, so, pretty trippy. So you're saying when uh, the Soviet Union was disbanded and the former Soviet Union, everything was privatized and uh, rich capitalists were buying up all the land and it had like the, I think it was like the biggest non-war drop in life expectancy uh, in modern recorded history or something like that um that it was witches i am not saying that but i'm saying that they probably found some scapegoats to blame there too yes. and that's what happened here um and one thing i don't think i really mentioned is like this terror campaign happening by the state was like like they had to fight for it and they pushed for it. like it's kind of crazy like the printing press some of the earliest uses of the printing press ever was to spread propaganda the state was spreading propaganda in cities being like is there a witch near you are your neighbors witches this is how you can tell if they're a witch come to us if they're a witch um, they were literally giving weapons to people that they said had seen witches that's fantastic it makes so much sense that uh <laughs> some of the earliest uses of the most uh important invention in writing history uh was uh, used for propaganda effects to help subjugate women. Of course. I mean, like, yeah, well, of course, you know. I'm sure the the arrest was for racism, you know, Mm -hmm. and anti-Semitism probably. Um, So that's an interesting context that really aligns uh, with the movie and the book. Also, just in general, because women had this new subservient role to men that like was even more pronounced than it was before. And there was a division of the genders that was stronger. They were trying to keep men and women like thinking differently and seeing each other as separate women who were like talking back to men or disobedient to men, men would just accuse them of being witches just for yeah. that all the time. Which I makes mean, sense, right? Why not? Yeah. You it makes power. complete fucking sense. Just like, yeah. Oh, you're a witch. You, you have like, else, you're a witch. Yeah, you have the ultimate thing to just, like, completely fuck over 50% of the population if they fucking piss you off or do anything, uh, and anything that bothers you, like, and, yeah, of course, people are gonna fucking abuse that and just be like, oh, well, uh, guess what's coming to you? (laughs) Uh, And, I mean, Thomason in the movie is, like, by her mom and her dad, mostly her mom, like, yelled at for talking back even when she's like saying the same thing as someone else you know yeah Um, the part that i mean she's obviously just supposed to be a quiet subservient woman Mm. like a quiet like docile person which is part of this new gender role that's being established at this time and they're really enforcing it on thomas a gender role lots of people today are still like wasn't it nice when uh uh yeah 
we should go back to that. That's the ideal woman is. uh, And that's fairly, I mean, there's a lot of cultures who've had that, but in Europe, that was a thing, but it was way more a thing because Mm -hmm. of this new system, because of capitalism. Um, And one of the parts that really stood out to me is when she's talking back to her dad and she's po- she's like kind of letting loose on him, but you know, he kind of deserves it. He's been letting her get called a witch for fucking days as her brother's dying and all this shit. Um, he's, he then says, Oh, the devil has your tongue. Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh, you wouldn't be talking back if the devil wasn't in you, which like you said, well, of course you have that Trump card. You just yeah. say, but I mean, I do think part of him kind of believe that at that point, because he was, it's like throughout this movie, the mom's way harsher on her than he is, and he's kind of more understanding and stuff. And then it gets to this point where Caleb has been gone for some days uh, when he left with her, and then all of a sudden Caleb's found by her naked and just kind of bewitched and fucked up, and then uh, he fucking throws up an apple, and, uh, yeah. you know, the twins... More food stuff, by the way. Yeah, the twins stop praying when they're all around, and like the twins are accusing her of being a witch. Uh, so I, I do think like he was kind of he was believing it at that point. Oh, like, oh shit, totally. she is she is a and witch. He he wouldn't believe that if that idea wasn't out there somewhere. Yes, you know. And it's also interesting though. Like, I feel like God, that actor is so good in that scene when he's looking Dude. at her, being like, "I saw it. Like, I know. Like, he he finally turns, but then he just as quickly believes her that it's the sister uh-huh. and the brother. And it's just like this dude is hungry as fuck. Yeah. This dude is desperate as shit. And you really get the sense that like he does love his children. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, but he's just thrown in this situation, this fucking insane situation, and uh, complete desperation. Um, and by the way, that actor. I think all the actors in this movie is incredible. I think he is the best. He fully I, agree. He sells that role so amazingly. He's just incredible. He he needed to sell the role because he's really kind of the arc, mm-hmm. like the emotional arc you see. Not because uh, yes. uh, Thomason's is at the end and it's different. It's like, but he needed to, and it's amazing. It's yeah. really like when I think of the acting in that movie, that is it. That yeah, is everybody definitely. did great. Everybody did mm-hmm. great, but holy crap, it gets you. You know, mm. um, I want to read this one part from the book uh, about like disobedience and, and women who were accused of witches or being witches. The witch was also the rebel woman who talked back, argued, swore and did not cry under torture. <laughs> rebel here refers not necessarily to any specific subversive activity in which women might be involved. Rather, it describes the female personality that had developed, especially among the peasantry, in the course of the struggle against feudal power, when women had been a growing challenge to male authority and the church. And sorry, I laughed there for a sec. It's just crazy that they're like, oh, if you don't cry under torture, you're a witch. Like, yeah. wow, you're torturing people so awful. It's, it's so awful. It's one of those things I'm laughing because it's just too hard to even comprehend how fucking ridiculous it is. But um, so... I mentioned before that under feudalism, there were there was a lot of resistance. People could recognize that they were exploited just like now and fought back a lot. And women actually led a ton. And in some cases, only women uh, yeah. led resistance to feudalism. And so this was also part of trying to stop resistance movements, trying to stop insurrections, trying to stop fucking radicals was 
Right. If women had to be, because women were the most affected by this stuff, they were sometimes the most likely to fight back. So then you have to create a new, you create a new role for them where they're subservient and they're supposed to be subservient all the time, less likely to have revolts against the rich and the state. Interesting. So um, another really gnarly thing that a lot of witches were accused of was infanticide. You probably know what we're going with this as far as the movie. I mean... The initial conflict that comes out is the baby being kidnapped. Um, totally. That's like the crux of the movie in a lot of like, that's kind of what starts things after the food. And that makes sense because it was such a huge part of the witch hunts. More women were executed for infanticide in the 16th and 17th century Europe than any other crime except one. Jesus. The most, the most, uh, prosecuted crime was witchcraft for women. Second most was infanticide, often okay. tied together. <laughs> and a lot of times it was uh, it was framed as offering children to the devil or eating children or selling children or all this stuff. Um, sacrificing children to the devil. I'm listening to an episode of The Dollop on uh, I can't think of her name. It's an Australian story of, of this, this woman that's called a witch and she like was an artist who did all she was obsessed with like uh the devil and stuff like that but she was asked to uh do uh become a comic artist for some like uh publication when he want the publisher the editor wanted uh you know something happy that'll make people smile and laugh and like the first one she submitted was a bunch of like women eating babies <laughs> <laughs> wild there's a lot of art of witches and women eating babies from uh, this time period, by the way. It's a trip. <laughs> um, so part of the reason that this was such a big issue was like two things. One, this was an era where states like fucking uh, countries were starting to view their power in terms of how many bodies they had, what their population was, because bodies meant labor power. It mm. also, which meant, you know, being a big part of the economy, being able to trade with other nations and having power over other nations. It also meant more people you could conscript into war if you wanted to fight. So suddenly population, like thinking on a larger, it's kind of hard it's one of those things, it's like a mind fuck to try to wrap your head around that like we think of countries constantly thinking of population. That's yeah. They're constantly talking about us in terms of numbers. Yeah. Perfection, population 14, perfection value, <laughs> valley. What does that mean? Isn't that the name of the place in Tremors? Oh, isn't, isn't perfection, perfection value? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yes. you're right. Population oh, 14. Yeah. That was like a new thing at the time. Foucault calls this new way of looking at bodies and the way states wanted to control bodies and populations biopolitics. And she kind of talks about this in, in the book too. But like, yeah, population was a huge issue. Also, the Black Plague had just happened. So the populations were down. And, you know, with people losing their sustenance, babies are dying a lot, if that how, makes sense. Do you know how long the Black Plague went on for? Like, I, I can't remember. Now that I think about it, like, I honestly have no idea. I don't know if it was like five years or a fucking century. I have no... I want to say seven, but okay. I could be a literally totally that wrong. sounds pretty right, but yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it was three plagues at once. It was a... Trip. Oh, really? I didn't um, know that. Yeah, it was like the bubonic plague, the kulonic plague. I don't remember. It, people were fucking dying. Like a third of Europe died. And so population is suddenly a huge issue. And so... 
the state, in order for its own power, wanted women making babies, and they didn't want women stealing babies, and they didn't want you babies want dying. And they didn't want them eating babies. They didn't want them eating babies. So, but, like, they didn't want to blame, you know, babies dying on, like, the shitty economic system. So it was fucking women's fault, right? Mm-hmm. So because of this, basically women were like enslaved to the role of procreation, another form of reproduction. Um, and this led to things like, like we think of, this is another one of those things, we think of the church as always being against birth control and contraception. Um, that was new at this time. That hmm. was not a thing before. That was part of working with the state. Um, Interesting. So I'm going to read this quote from Federici. While in the Middle Ages, women had been able to use various forms of contraceptives and had exercised an undisputed control over the birthing process, from now on their wombs became public territory, controlled by men and the state, and procreation was directly placed at the service of capitalist accumulation. That's insane. Did you bring that up last time we recorded? I don't remember. Okay, yeah, I don't remember. Well, yeah, I mean, there's so much on here. I'm grabbing what I can, but, you know. For sure. I'm not doing it all, so that I might have missed it. Um, so one type of, like, way that women controlled their bodies was just being midwives and being herbalists. Mm. But as the economy changed and men were supposed to work, suddenly men were supposed to be doctors and women were supposed to kind of get out of that role. Um yeah, a doctor became a profession, a wage-earning role, and that became more a man's place than a woman's, which was just all a part of that. So basically, long story short, women's role becomes to not use birth control, to uh, like protect children, and to basically only have sex for procreation. Like Having kids is part of their role now. So not having kids becomes demonized. Does that make sense? Right? Boo. Sex is fun. It feels good. It relieves stress. It's one of the greatest enjoyments in life. It's something we were evolved to be super into for the most part. Obviously, everyone's different. But uh, uh, making sex just something so – connecting so much – I mean, fucking labor to it uh, is just uh, bullshit and evil. It's fucking evil. Yeah, fully agree. And so there there are actually like a few reasons that uh, being promiscuous, you know, having sex out of wedlock was considered bad. One was because you're not creating new laborers, right? Mm. Not fulfilling your role. But another is because women's sexuality was seen as like a threat to men because women like because men, well, oh, they won't like be in control of themselves because they're in there because of their lust. Um, I want to read this this quote. Sexual passion undermined not only male authority over women, over women, it also undermined a man's capacity for self-government. A sexually active woman, then, was a public danger, a threat to the social order, as she subverted a man's sense of responsibility and his capacity for work and self-control. If women were not to ruin men morally, or, more importantly, financially, female sexuality had to be exercised. Um... I think another big part of it is just uh, if women have multiple partners, then they can make fun of some men for their dick sizes. And I think that's actually uh, Federici kind of uh, missed that in her oh, book. Um, that part. 
Uh, yeah. And uh, the- by the way, if any woman out there makes fun of my dick size, oh, I am accusing you of being a witch, you you fuck. Um, but Charlie really likes witches, so it's going to get complicated. Yeah. And also, um, I have a really small dick, so... Um, yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so if you were a loose or promiscuous woman or a prostitute or an adulteress or a woman who just exercised your sexuality outside of the bonds of marriage and procreation, you were often accused of being a witch. So this just makes me think of, you know, they're on this isolated farm in this movie. There's nobody for Thomason to mm-hmm. even do that with, but she still gets accused of that shit, right? Yeah, um, well, we see Caleb, like, iron her up and down, which, true, you know, is, you know, guy checking out his sister, creepy or whatever, but it's also, like, he's going through puberty, he, literally, there's no other female around, except for his... And I bet his parents aren't the best, like, talkers about, like, no, his new feelings really and shit. no idea what the fuck he's going through. Exactly, like, yeah. And then, uh... So, I mean, can't really blame him. And then uh, the mom, she brings it up later and she just completely blames Thomason. She's like, oh, you are, you fucking slut. You were trying to seduce your brother. When it's just like, Thomason probably didn't even notice or just had like the slightest kind of notice. I mean, Thomason herself probably doesn't even know what it's like to have a guy being interested in you because she's not around fucking men at all. I mean, she's probably confused too. Like, why wouldn't she be? And I mean... Probably even if you lived with a bunch of people, like, in a normal way back then, you'd be confused. Because, like, what yeah. the fuck were people thinking I mean, back then? But people today that are yes. integrated, you know, into the society, uh, they're, they're often fucking confused. Because it's a fucking yes. confusing, weird thing that happens. Yes, totally. Um, so, yeah, her getting called a slut and a whore, par for the course for being accused of a witch. Totally mm-hmm. fits into it. Which... I don't know, when I first watched it, I was just like, whoa, dude, this is getting crazy. But, like, <clears throat> it is totally in line. It's not mm-hmm. out of left field. Um, also, you do have the young witch uh, in the red cloak who kind of uses her sexuality to pull in Caleb. Yeah. Was um, she a young you remember witch? Remember that? Well, she looked like a young witch. I was going to say, is her hand, like, older or am I – was yeah, I imagining that? Her hand that? is different. That hand that grabs out, oh, that's such a gnarly yeah. moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I, it, I think it, it's implying that it's like a spell or something uh-huh. to make her, her look uh-huh. sexually attractive to him. Yes. And that's part of their powers, right? Yes. Um, it, like, in a way, women and witches were seen back then as destroyers of male sex. Um, of, like, male I sexual become sexuality. <laughs> I become witch destroyer of male sex. Yeah, totally. As it um, says in the Bhagavad the the uh, Gita. <laughs> I said that right. <laughs> yes, yeah, you got it. The Bhagavad Gita. Um, and uh, it was believed that women attracted men basically to undermine them. Um, but also, there was all this stuff about witches and castrating men, making their dicks disappear, making their dicks retract into their bodies, mm. hiding their penises. There's a story I think I remember of, like, a witch, like, stealing all the men's penises in a town and hiding them in a tree. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's maybe not the best hiding place. Uh, Actually, knows, I mean, no, that could be a good hiding place. It really depends on how many trees there are in the town. Um, so this made me think of the scene with 
Sam naked. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, personally, it made me think of dick trees, but um, now nah, yeah, but the uh, the scene of Sam naked. So Sam disappears, the baby, and then there's a scene that's like a close-up of Sam, and you can see part of the old woman, the old witch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like rubbing his body, but then she pulls a knife towards his penis, and it cuts out. Yes. And then the next, so we don't know if she's going to cut it or not, but it's like suggesting that, and then the next scene is her like using like a butter churner or something but with like red goop like it's probably part of the baby or something i don't know and then she's rubbing that on her body and on a broom and then she flies fucking gnarly little weird scene yeah Um, i missed some of that or i didn't notice that that was what was going on but um i actually pretty uh, watched it at work and i came home and only watched that part to be like what was happening there because it's so weird um one of the things I thought was kind of interesting is that back then with witches riding brooms was considered like, that's like a phallic symbol. It was part of their control over men's sexuality. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting that in the movie, it's like they knew that, like they, it's going from the castration thing to the riding the broom, like they're, con- and it's connecting it through that scene, which is really interesting. And those yeah. two connections aren't directly in the book, but it's like the movie's connecting them. It's crazy because... You know, I mean, I guess it just shows how progressive I am whenever I, I'm with a woman. I say, ride my broom, baby. Um, yeah, okay. It's a, good line. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good line. It's a good line. <laughs> um, okay. One other form of having sex outside of, outside of procreation that was starting to be shunned was prostitution and witches and prostitutes had like a lot of parallels. So I'm going to read. Another Wait, quote. so was, so up to this point, prostitution was not considered bad. Yeah. Um, I mean, it shouldn't be, uh, but I just, you just have an ingrained in your mind that prostitution, right? horrible, bad. Obviously it's always been horrible, well, bad. And um, of course the church would be against it. Yeah. And of course the church would be against yeah. witchcraft. Right. Mm-hmm. But no, before this, those were just a part of life. Like, I mean, a lot of Christians did things that later would be considered witchcraft at the time, for instance. Yeah. And well, I think this quote will answer your question a little. So as far as witches and prostitutes, both sold themselves in order to obtain money and an illicit power. The witch who sold her soul to the devil being the magnified image of the prostitute who sold her body to men. Furthermore, both the old witch and the prostitute were symbols of sterility, the very personification of non-procreative sexuality. While in the Middle Ages, the prostitute and the witch were considered positive figures who provided a social service for the community, with the witch hunt, both acquired the most negative connotations and were were rejected as possible female identities, physically by death and socially by criminalization. Trippy, right? Yeah, totally. Um, Just want to throw in a legalized sex work um, and stop demonizing sex workers. Just uh... seriously. A little thing out there. Um, yeah, I guess sterility. I guess, yeah, there were like sheepskin condoms back then, right? I don't, I mean, I, I know those have been around a long time. I know they don't work very well, and I don't know if, yeah. I don't know if I that mean, was a type of. Yeah, I'm just thinking. Contraception people are using. What, I'm just thinking how prostitutes would be uh, sterile, I, I guess. Mm, pull out um, method? I don't know. 
I mean, besides that and pulling out, like, I can't think of what else there would yeah. be. But it was the idea of sex not for kids. Sex yes, not to yes. make children. And older women, right, but you know. It specifically compared women. them to older, old women, right? Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Which, like, before this, I remember reading the book, like, old women who, like, slept around was considered kind of an like an awesome thing, like an empowering thing until this time where it was like, whoa, what are you doing? Who are you? Like, why are you doing this? You're trying to take my men. Like, this is dangerous. This isn't fitting. Um, The part that I thought kind of aligned these two in the movie is that when he's making her sign the book, she has to take off her clothes first. Yeah. And it almost feels like, you know, he's asking her to sleep with him. It's interesting that they happen at the same time. Do you think... uh black philip was satan or like an uh emigre of satan i don't know i don't know that it matters but i if i if i guess i would say satan i don't like think that but that's what it feels like yeah okay just wondering um and that's one interesting thing so selling your soul to the devil was a big part of uh the witch hunts but like and what witches were accused of and before this, even our view of the devil that we have now was established during this time. Before this, devils were kind of like servants that like evil people would get to do their bidding. But now at this time, they became uh, like masters of women, almost in this weird like um, like marriage kind of like the man lording over the woman thing, because that was becoming the new normal. One more quote. The witch hunt reversed the power relation between the devil and the witch. It was the woman now who was the servant, the slave, the succubus in body and soul. And while the devil functioned as her owner and master, pimp and husband at once. She also says, How preoccupied were the witch hunters with the affirmation of male supremacy can be seen from the fact that even when in revolt against human and divine law, women had to be portrayed as subservient to a man. And the culmination of their rebellion, the famous pact with the devil, had to be represented as a perverted marriage contract. So even the evil women that were against society, they couldn't see as outside of like being servants of men um, because that was so ingrained in them now. Yeah, I know this is kind of out of uh, the base of reality, I guess, but it's just you bring up um, how women, how the devil became the woman's pimp or whatever. But it just makes you think like prostitution at this time, that that's something where women could earn a wage, I guess. Like, yes. Right. Like that's yes. actually something where they could have more control over their existence and um yeah especially when they're not they're suddenly in this new society that's not letting them do all the work they used to do mhm it's one of the yeah. few things that if you don't have a man to rely on you could do to empower yourself and survive yeah it kind of makes me think um i know it's often said like when uh lenin lenin soviet union had some like the most progressive uh society for women and one of the things they did like was just uh putting women to work more than they were before so therefore they weren't as reliant on men's and they could uh they didn't have to you know just marry into basically being a, a man's uh servant um and they could have more control over their existence in life and that just added s- such a uh benefit to women in society that really wasn't found throughout the world at that time i don't know about throughout the world but throughout the western world i'd agree with you yeah 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 i mean it's just a trip that both those things were like 
demonized at the same time, especially like the one out that that and it's not like people are going to stop being prostitutes. They're just like blaming the women for it and persecuting them, not the men who are going there. Like, it's just so fucking it's still what happens. Yeah. So one of the wildest ways that women's sexuality was demonized and one of the ways that I think is connects really interestingly to the movie is basically through accusations of bestiality and like animal relationships in general. Um, one of the ways that this was suggested was that uh, witches would fuck the goat god who was the devil. So Damn. we already kind of mentioned how that might be connected. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't fuck the goat, but there's like a, there's, you know, there's a sexual tension there, right? Yeah, she's fucking jerking off that goat's udders and jerks out a bunch of blood. <laughs> Nastiest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> you're the one that made it sexual so uh, yeah i did so obviously black philip is one of the the main animal things but check out this passage and and look for things in the movie let me know what you think after this was suggested like uh women's bestiality was suggested by copulation with the goat god one of the representations with the devil and the charge that the witches kept a variety of animals imps or familiars that helped them in their crimes and with whom they entertained a particularly intimate relation. Uh, One of the things that they were supposedly doing intimately with, uh, with these beasts was suckling them from special teats. You mean like the raven banging on the tit? So gnarly. Like, yeah. So gnarly, but also one of those things that I was like, you all are just trying to be fucking gnarly. I didn't think it would be based in actual witch accusations, right? <laughs> like, so gnarly. How, um, how dare you doubt Robert Eggers? <laughs> and it kind of makes sense, right? Like, breastfeeding is supposed to be for the, yes. the laborer who's going to yeah. come up, but you're giving it to the crow. And, uh, yeah, that shit's so creepy because, first of all, in her mind at that point, she f- thinks she's breastfeeding Sam when actually yeah. it's a raven biting her tit. And then the next morning, her and her husband wake up and her husband like gets up and stuff. And then it, it focuses on her and you just see like the blood soaking through the, the shirt. Like that's which. Yeah. Which makes yeah. you realize and it's not a vision. Yes. Like it was real. Yeah, totally. And oh. also. It kind of, like, hammers in, like, even if, like, the night before was, you know, an act of uh, madness or something, like, uh, something yeah. crazy going on, but still in the morning, she's not like, oh, my God, my tits yeah. bleeding. <laughs> like, yeah, she's still she's obviously just yeah. fucking uh, gone, bewitched and gone. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh, God, it's so intense. Uh, <clears throat> the... All, the other thing I think of as like an imp or familiar is the the rabbit. What's yeah. up with this rabbit, dude? Yeah, dude, fucking devil rabbit. Um, it plays a big role, but like, subtly. yeah, I I uh, I wasn't sure if it was supposed to be like you know the devil itself or a witch or just like you're saying a familiar. Um, sure. It, 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 I mean, it's obviously super ambiguous and you can't tell. But it does uh, ha- seem to have some powers because um, 
the first time we see it, they're checking their traps and stuff, and the the dog notices it and starts barking at it. And you know, usually when a dog starts barking at a rabbit, the rabbit would fucking run off. Uh, um, oh yeah, it just sits there. If it's like my dog, it will catch the rabbit and eat it, and you will spend uh, an hour trying to get it away, and you won't be able to, and it will just eat the rabbit and crunch its its, its bones and tear out its organs but this rabbit um just stood there and uh so he fucking the dad loads his rifle and uh shoots at it and the gun backfires and hits him uh so there's this implication that um there's magic at work there that yeah you know the rabbit knew it was going to be fine so that's why it's not immediately running away and then the gun sure. fucking backfires like so it seems like i don't know i mean i guess it could still be familiar but it does feel like it has more power than you would i guess associate with familiar but i mean familiar oh, is i don't necessarily think i have any reason to believe that it's doing the magic it could just be aware okay. of the magic both could be true Okay. Like the witch could be sending it out to do stuff while fucking up. The yeah, guy. I don't know. And familiars no aren't necessarily powerless, also. So but, I don't know uh, shit about. Fam- I'm unfamiliar. Okay. If you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Look at this whole episode is worth it for that line. Way to go. <laughs> <laughs> um. So one of the other uh, things that animal they were accused of doing with animals was riding or flying on a goat to the sabbat. Uh, or the Sabbath. Wait, so, goats don't fly? What the fuck? Right, dude? Witches that do. That fucking witchcraft. Okay, I was not sold on this witch stuff before. That's fucking witchcraft. <laughs> yeah, that's serious witchcraft. So, um, the Sabbath was, <clears throat> like, basically, it was, a, like, a nocturnal reunion where thousands of people would get together in the woods, the witch orgies that you were mentioning earlier <laughs> in the comments, mm-hmm. um, sexually charged, like kind of like ritual stuff. Like there's not a, a strict definition that I know of, of what it was, but it started out as just like, you know, witches getting together to do their magic and be sexual and do all the things we as capitalist Christians don't like, but generals it's... gather in their masses. <laughs> Just like witches in black masses. Hell yeah. Um, But so it started out as that. But also, as we're learning, like the witches were part of the class war. So, oh, sorry. This is a quote. As a general tendency throughout this period, any potentially transgressive meeting, peasants gatherings, rebel camps, festivals and dances were described by authorities as a virtual sabbat. So... It went from being like, oh, this is what witches do to anybody meeting without us capitalists is is evil witchcraft and it's trying to overthrow us. You know, wait, the powers that be trying to limit a uh, big groupings of uh, people. Subversives. That, yeah. The subversives. That that doesn't sound right. Well, that's, it was a different time, Charlie. It was yeah, a different time. I mean, that's that's never something the state would do. What is this, the Sabbath, as described here, kind of make you think of in the movie? Yeah, uh, the last scene where um, Thomason is led by uh, Black Philip into the woods where she finds a fire where a bunch of uh, 
witches are fucking freaking out around. Hell yeah. That scene is so sick. It's an awesome, awesome scene. And then they all float up in the air and you're like, yeah, witch power. (laughs) And then you. Um, So, yeah, yeah, it's, I don't know. I think that that's definitely referencing the Sabbath. And I love that, like, historically that was like, I mean, there's lots of things tied to it. It was uh, another name for it was a synagogue and there was like anti-Semitic things involved. But a lot of it was just like, anything the ruling class didn't like was like a witch's sabbat and there's something so cool about that and that she joins that at the end it's so um, fucking awesome and once again i i brought this up before fuck this christian god like what she's been put through like fuck yeah go fucking write your book and sit or like write your name in satan's book and fucking get naked and go chill out with these other naked women and fly up in the fucking air. You deserve it, honey. Do what you... Yeah. Do what fucking makes you feel good at this point. You've been fucked over so much by your circumstances that, you know, God didn't feel... God just looked on fucking uncaring and just say, oh, you just, uh, I have a plan. Uh, fucking suffer and be accused by your family of being a witch and be forced to murder your own fucking mom in self-defense yeah fuck you god be a fucking witch totally totally and uh we'll touch on the ending again uh, in a bit but like yeah absolutely like it's such a it's such a freeing ending um one of the things i love in the book this is one of my favorite parts of the book is just talking about how nighttime was like incorporated in part of this mythology and how like capitalists were scared of the nighttime i mean the dark scary i love this quote the nocturnal dimension of the sabbat was a violation of the contemporary capitalist regular regularization of work time and a challenge Mm. to private property and sexual orthodoxy as the night shadows blurred the distinctions between the sexes and between mine and thine the nocturnal sabbat appears as a demonization of the utopia embodied in the rebellion against the masters and the breakdown of sexual roles and it also represents a use of space and time contrary to the new capitalist work discipline i i love that like it's like this whole thing of like everything that capitalism needs is for people to like be in these strict sexual binaries that we can tell by looking like having private property that that's the line where it ends at working Mm. during the day and all like this is all blurred like like no we're out at the night when we're supposed to be resting we're our our genders are blurred i don't know who i'm necessarily fucking at this thing i don't know whose (laughs) land it is and i don't give a fuck you know what i mean yeah totally as someone who uh often has worked night shifts um I can completely relate to that quote. <laughs> that's that's all I was saying, yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously I say that jokingly, but there is a a part where, you know, you're working uh ten PM to five AM every day and it does start to feel like you're like an outcast of society because everything is built around the complete opposite of the what you're living in uh uh, working um yeah totally and like 
on t- like even like when we were younger like when you're when you're a kid and a teenager staying up late feels like rebellion mm-hmm. in itself because you're not you're like fuck my responsibilities fuck the schedules i'm supposed to keep this is our time this is when i'm not supposed to be awake and it's just yeah. inherently subversive on its own you know yeah maybe that's why i still have some kind of fucked up problem where um i'm like addicted to staying up late that might be why. Maybe you just got the devil in you, dude. I mean, it could be. One thing in the movie that I think you'll agree with is that everybody starts, like, they're just losing it and they all start turning on each other. They're taking yeah. all this out on each other, right? Yeah, which, um, I mean, I mean, you're, you're all, you're fucking starving. Everything's yes. just falling to shit. Just like, that's, that's just what humans do. They just, it, it, it you're put under huge amounts of stress yes. and just physical uh, um, torture, really. I mean, that's what that's what starvation is. It's a form of torture. Uh, and, yeah, obviously you're going to just fucking start turning on people. Totally. It's also a tool of the ruling classes and the state to mm-hmm. turn you against each other so that you don't turn against someone else or against them, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's one of the interesting things about kind of the ends of the witch hunt is, like, this started out as people on high sowing distrust, throwing out all these ideas and this propaganda to get people to like treat the lower classes and their neighbors and stuff like witches, people who didn't belong. But eventually it took on a life of its own, kind of like it does in this movie, to the point where uh, basically the lower classes started accusing the upper classes and the capitalists mm-hmm. of being witches and that's when it was like you know i don't think this witch thing's real anymore <laughs> pretty, yeah pretty wild um part of the reason the witch hunts probably ended is because they did their job everybody had their roles already they didn't need yeah. to violently enforce it but also yeah they're like oh now we're getting called witches this is over you know? yeah i mean Hundreds of years later, and still just uh, pushing for equality is still uh, something that's going on. <laughs> yes, and so and... they they obviously uh, they did a good job just uh, enforcing these uh, beliefs and structures. Definitely, and now just like the witches, the witch hunts or the witch accusations taking a life of their own. Now those gender roles take on a life of their own to an extent. Like people enforce them themselves. Themselves. Yes. We don't need. Oh yeah. The oppressors to do it. Um. Okay, so we talked at the beginning of this about how like this doesn't quite seem like feudalism or capitalism. So how is it connected? Um. And I we we've talked about like you know how witch accusations were just in general connected to that. But one thing I noticed watching this is that these people, they leave their plantation or their village. And we don't know what that plantation or village is like, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know how it's set up. We don't even know why they leave. Like, it seems like they're just more extreme Christian than the community. And like that's he's kind calling of out the members all the time yeah. for being like heathens. And so they're like, fuck you. That that kind of seems what it is, but we we we're never really confirmed or, or told exactly why they're leaving. Yeah, but yeah. So basically, like we don't know if this is a what it is. They call it a village. They mm. call it a plantation. So we can only guess. I don't fucking know. I didn't do the research on what places in New England in 1630s were like, but I do know that 
under like feudalism, a village was a very specific thing. It wasn't the same as a town or a city. It was this formation of serfs or people under feudalism who like shared resources, worked collectively on communal land, often had like councils to make decisions. A plantation was very different. A plantation was like a profit-based export model of early capitalism. It actually started in the Americas and then was brought back to Europe. So hmm. they use these terms interchangeably. I don't know that the movie even knows what they are, right? It doesn't really yeah. matter which one it is. Um, I think it's kind of interesting just for fun to think of what it would it mean if it was one or the other. Like they leave it and they're dying and starving on their own because they can't hack it. So it's like, if it was the kind of village that's like communal, it's almost like the message that if they hadn't left the old system, they mm. might be okay. But but if it is a capitalist plantation, it kind of I kind of get the message of like, oh, if you aren't willing to like go against your morals or your beliefs and be part of this system, this capitalist system, you're going to die because you can't make it on your own either. Um, yeah, two different things. First of all. You say you don't know exactly what they were going for in the movie or, or they even knew what the difference was. I mean, once again, at the end of the movie, there's a, a thing that says that the majority of the dialogue was taken from historical records. So uh, when they're talking about plantation and stuff, they could be very directly talking about uh, whatever. Yeah. Whatever they would have meant at the time. Although, once again... Eggers might not have known what they meant at the time, so it could have And they still... might have grabbed dialogues from two different settings yeah. where those actually conflict. Who knows? Yeah. But also, you bring up um, them being disconnected from their former way of life. There, There is a theme throughout this of uh, them missing their um, their lives back in uh, the, the old world, where... Um, well, both. First, they say they want to go back to the plantation. Then she says, I want to go back to England. Like, they always want to yeah. go back somewhere. Yeah, I mean, uh, Caleb and Thomason are talking about uh, the good life back in England, and they're talking about it fondly and, like, all these cozy memories. Yeah. And then uh, Catherine says, you know, I want to go home. And William's like, we'll, we'll go home to, you know, this next within the next week and she's like no i mean home back in england so there's yeah. this theme of trying to go back to their old life uh which does like even if it's not like a one-to-one -one, like an economic thing it symbolically gives the same vibe of this right this new yeah. change is the problem yes yeah totally um one thing i also thought was an interesting parallel is that like the woods to them are taboo like they're off mm -hmm. limits and so it, 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 I know it's not, but it feels almost like if we're talking about symbolically, like a closure of the commons, they mm -hmm. only have their land now. They can't go to the woods, um, for resources and they well, fail when they try to. Yeah. One thing I was interested about that. So I, I couldn't understand if they were not allowed, if they're always not allowed in the woods, or if that was a direct result of them thinking a wolf took uh, Samuel. Um, oh, yeah, because we never hear that till after Sam's gone. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not sure which one it it's is. It's ambiguous for sure. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. But um, even the like, fear of the wolf that doesn't exist is yeah. like and fear of the witches in the woods is kind of part of this, like, 
uh, enlightenment and like scientific revolution thing happening where like nature is suddenly this bad thing that has to be mm. controlled. And like he even says, I think he says like, we will conquer these woods or something. Um, maybe I'm thinking of the wrong thing. Anyway, like the view is of it being this hostile thing, which also was kind of new, right? We're getting farther and farther from nature as we're getting more and more in capitalism. Yeah. And uh, the end result of that is uh, we're all going to die climate death uh, uh, in a few years. Totally. Um, So one other really interesting thing is, so they're, they're isolated there. They can't, they feel like they can't go to the plantation again or they can't go back. Uh, they they don't have access to the woods, so all they have is their land, and their only resource that they seem to mention that could like save them is the market. Like they're mm. constantly talking about the market, the, about yeah. selling stuff, about trading yeah. stuff, and it seems like that's their only option, right? Yeah, that would be a very new thing at this time. Well, there is part of that, which is a theme that we're not really getting into at all. Um, part of that also is just uh, William's pride. That's uh, a theme sure. that comes throughout the movie. Um, but yeah, they talk about they can't. But ba- a part of it, why they can't go back to their old um, plantation, town, village, wherever the fuck it was, is because of William's pride. And um, sure, you know th- their crops aren't going to gain any money, but they can't go back because of his pride. And and the reason why they left in the first place was because he wasn't willing to admit he did anything wrong or um, uh, just kind of or even just stand there and you know be dishonest and say yes, yes, you're right, I'm wrong uh, because totally. of his pride. So that that's a constant theme of the movie, which is kind of outside of uh the view of what we're going for in this episode. I don't but, really think it is. Cause I think it's based on a new type of individualism. I don't that's think a good point. Yeah. in an old situation, you would, it would be a prideful thing to ask for help. It would just be communal anyway. Yeah. And so that's one of the interesting, they're relying on themselves. So something like pride could kill them, mm-hmm. you know, like, and, but yeah, um, the, like the corn, there's like only a fool would trade for our corn. And so it's like, it's no, there's no idea that there's anyone out there who wants to help them. It's only if they can get something for it. It's yeah. only about trading for commodities. And he has pride because he doesn't, He it's hurting his pride because he doesn't have anything to trade. He doesn't have anything for the market. Yeah. And you're right that that, that, that could be like a newer thing. And that's something that's um, subsisted throughout capitalism where nowadays if you're someone who needs to be on any kind of government assistance or whatever uh there's large parts of society that will look down on you and there's people that you know their pride will even prevent them from uh uh asking for anything like that and they're being you know we're told our whole lives those are hands handouts and that means you're weak or whatever um which is crazy because public assistance like that started being a thing during the witch hunts during this time during the switch from feudalism to capitalism as another supplement to the loss of the commons the loss of the lord's Mm. land so it was actually to help capitalism they were like oh shit in order for capitalism to work we can't have everybody revolt so we have to give them the bare minimum so this whole time that thing that's again victim blaming putting on the people forced in that situation is for the billionaires (laughs) well yeah i mean uh the new deal that was like uh 
the FDR was basically just like, if we don't start giving the working class something, they're going to fucking revolt and overturn the goddamn (laughs) system. So all you fucking idiots that are insistent that the New Deal is bad, like, no, you morons, this is saving your fucking way of life. This is giving them something so that they don't feel the need to fucking kill us and uh, 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 put into place a fucking communist society. (laughs) I mean, our biggest businesses, Walmart, fucking Amazon, couldn't exist without food stamps. Like, it's subsidies for Walmart to be able to pay less, not for it's (laughs) Anyway, so they're in this situation that the more we talk about it, the more it actually does start to feel like, oh shit, like a lot of the things about capitalism are happening to this family. They're Mm. being individualized. They have to rely on themselves and only the market is there for them to uh, use. And one of the other ways they try to use the market is by literally selling Thomason as a commodity. And what do they say about that? They say like, oh, we don't have the silver cup. Immediately they think of Thomason next. Right. Yeah. And they say it's because she has the mark of her womanhood. So it's again, they're trying to enslave Mm -hmm. her into another role of procreation as a commodity. Once again, I do want to point out in just in terms of just uh, this movie, it doesn't have anything to do with our overall thesis. uh, But just uh, the mom is more insistent of we need to sell her and the the father. The father is at first resistant, but then he's kind of like. Fuck, we have no other options. It also kind of feels like at that that point, he's like, it's also a way of getting Thomason out of this fucking trap we're all... Sure, right now. sure. And it is definitely the mom who's seeing her as a commodity. It's the mom who immediately goes from Silver Cup to sell Thomason, mm. for sure. But also, um, I think we talked about last time, and we kind of left it out this time, the mom has internalized this gender role, as we yes, see there. 100%. And also... When she says, I'm sorry that I've been a shrew, like that's a new idea at this time, being mm-hmm. a shrew. Um, like, I think last time you asked me about Taming of the Shrew, which was like, yeah, the 1600s, like that was one of the most popular plays at the time. And it's like reinforcing this idea that women fill this role of a shrewish housewife. And it's like, she's like, oh no, I've become that. And like, mm-hmm. but also we should sell our fucking daughter. Yeah. Um, and that's something that's uh, subsisted. Uh, there's tons and tons of women today that have um, internalized that that idea of the gender role that's been handed to them. Um, yeah. And also, I mean, some some people, you know, like that role. And, you know, they're perfectly welcome to like that role. Uh, but there's just a lot and a lot of people that... It, I mean, I just don't want to paint a broad brush. Like, I, obviously, there's tons of different people with different preferences, but um, but yeah, that's not yeah. the same as a general, right? Anybody should be able to do anything. Is the point? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <You know>? Yes, <laughs> yeah. So, like, women should be able to do whatever the fuck they want yes. as long as not hurting other people. I'm so talking should more. So should, so should non-binary people, of course. I'm talking more about the women who are like, um, this is my role, and every other woman should also have this fucking role. Oh yeah. Totally. Yeah. Fuck yeah. that. Um, one last point I wanted to make is uh, their salvation was all in the market, including the doctor who they're going to bring Caleb to. And they do say, we'll bring him to a doctor. He will be able to help us. Mm-hmm. And it kind of shows this new idea that 
now doctors are he's, even though very recently in history, women were uh, like more often or equally herbalists, uh, midwives, like uh, healers of all sorts. And that's just something I noticed. Um, not to throw a wrench at you, because you're all the way in Oregon and as strong as I am, I don't think I could. Uh, you could do it. I could try. Uh, but, uh, the, the, you know, they probably would know the doctor. So they probably True. wouldn't know the gender of the doctor. Who is a man? Yes. Yes. For sure. So, yeah, it doesn't matter if it's an assumption or not. I guess the doctor's a man now. The doctors are yes. men. Uh, and <laughs> also the idea that you could just kind of be a healer in your own life was getting less and less. Like they need to rely on an outside thing when it was before it was less mm. of a profession and more of a common community knowledge, you know? Yes. Um. So you kind of went into this already, but... uh. What do you think, either inside of our analysis or outside of it, what do you think this ending is saying with her going to join the women on the on the hill? You mean, yeah, I, I've pretty much said it. Just uh, why the fuck shouldn't she join with Satan? Right? Like, I mean, what the fuck is God offering her at this point? Just the, the idea that if or you continue. Or her family offering her. Yeah. Well, her family's yeah. just dead now. <laughs> well, <laughs> but yeah, just this idea of, hey, I promise if you just keep eating shit over and over and just keep going through the fucking torture you're being handed, you're, you'll get eternal happiness versus, hey, your life can be less shitty if you just fucking sign this book and get naked for me. And live um, deliciously. Yeah. Yeah. And then fucking jam out with these other naked women. Um, yeah. Like. Totally. How the fuck could you blame her? And uh, the, 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 one of the inherent things of, uh, of this idea is that, yeah, how the fuck could you blame her? But God will blame her and she will be damned for eternity. <laughs> if, if the movie, I don't know that the movie believes in God though. Um, right, right. I'm just talking about this kind of general belief where sure. if she does kind of join up with this, then yes. she's fucking damned. And it's just like, well, fuck that God's a fucking shithead that would damn her for that. Like, that's yeah, just I, so fucked up. Like, she has every fucking right to be like, yeah, I'm going to do something to better my fucking position. Yeah, and I not think just this movie die. really sets it up where... You are so, it looks scary and shit at the end still, but you're so happy for her. And she's obviously mm -hmm. so fucking happy. She's laughing yeah. her fucking ass off at the end because she's free. And it's like, I mean, the way I kind of see it, it's similar, but it's like, if they're going to call you a fucking witch, if they're going to starve you, if they're going to try to sell you, if they're going to chain you to procreation and to this fucking role, if they're going to shame you for things you didn't do, fuck it. Become a goddamn witch. Like, become mm -hmm. the enemy of the patriarchy and capitalism. Dance naked in the woods. Join the resistance. Like, why the fuck yeah. wouldn't you? Fuck yeah. Not only yeah. why wouldn't you, but you should. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the only thing that's like, you shouldn't do that is, well, God will disapprove. And it's, I mean, like I just fucking went on. Just like the God that puts you through all this shit. Like, oh, who gives a fuck if that guy disapproves? Yeah. Or <laughs> even if your like fucking mom would disapprove, like who's always yeah. calling you the like, or if the fucking authorities back where you live to like kick you out, if you called them out on their shit would disapprove, like who also forced you into these gender roles. Fuck 
all of that, go yeah. into the night, go into the woods, you know? Fucking jam naked. Um, okay. To conclude this thing, I don't remember, did we... I forgot you did have a dumb cop of the week. I did have a dumb cop of the week. Because you is? put... You can't do this shit where you're like, you put in the outline dumb cop of the week and then you're like, I don't think we should have a dumb cop of the week. I spent all week coming up with a dumb cop of the week. Um, and then I came, came up with it off the top of my head anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what's your dumb cop of the week? Well, I mean, I'm probably going to get a lot of pushback from our listeners for this. Uh, but yeah, I definitely am going to have to go with God because <laughs> he's a fucking. No, he's the fucking obviously dumb cop of the week. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how. There's, I have no reason to justify that. I think it's pretty clear that he's the dumb cop of the week. <laughs> totally. Um, mine is gonna be the council that like when when uh when William and Thomas are talking, he's like, just tell me the truth. Like, we'll bring you to the council and they'll decide tomorrow. So it turns out so there's some council who, like, kills witches. So I'm going to go with them. They seem like cops. Fuck them. Yeah. Yeah. You have a favorite shot? Yeah. So at the end, when she makes her pact with um, Black Phillip and we see her walking in the night, like, towards the forest with Black Phillip kind of, like, trailing behind her. And, uh, yeah, it's just a super neat, awesome shot. Hell yeah. That, I mean, it's just like freedom after all this yeah. time, you yeah. know, it's scary still, like I said, but it's, yeah. Um, my favorite shot was the next shot, uh, yeah. where Which was... she's walking towards the fire and it's in the top, right. And you just see the women kind of like, they're dancing together, but they're all kind of in their own world and it's creepy, but it's cool. It's just awesome, man. Yeah, that was another one I had marked off for my potential favorite shot. Um, but yeah, sure. that's a fucking awesome one. And then they all, yeah, all the women are, you see them all naked, dancing around the fire, and they're just kind of fucking freaking out. And it's just like an awesome fucking badass dance. Uh, um, kind of reminds me that one time we went up to the mountains and we did shrooms. Uh, and drank wine. We had wine, a fire. Yeah. We had a fire in this like snowy area, and uh, um, we were all dancing naked around the fire, except for me, who was sober enough to not get naked. <laughs> that was sick too, because we were like, "We're gonna drive, and we're gonna see a mountain, and we're just gonna walk on top of it, and we're gonna have a fire, and we're gonna yeah. it was winter solstice, and we're gonna have a fire yes. all night." Yeah, yeah, that was sick. Uh, you and me were the only ones that stayed up awake all night. You only that. needed one person to set the. To, to keep the fire going and we did it hell yeah, yeah. hell yeah that was great um how are you gonna rate this movie i'm gonna give it five hexes hexes boils and troubles doubles and cubbles and nubbles and tubbles uh I think that's a that's an old classic hex as found in the works of ye old bard Shakespeare Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what to give. I'm going to give it one anarchy. Hail <laughs> <laughs> Satan. Classic anarchy rally cry. Um, 
All right, just some sources that I uh, used for the writing of this episode. Um, the book, obviously, it's from Atano Media. They published it. It's also available from some radical publishers, including AK Press, and I believe it's free online. If so, there will be a link in the show notes below. Uh, also, listen to the Book on Fire podcast. Their second season goes through the book. Really great podcast. Definitely recommend checking that out. It... Uh, it was super helpful. Um, you could even listen to that and not read the book if audio stuff is more your thing, and it'll give you a lot of stuff you didn't hear here. There's also an interview with Silvia Federici on Revolutionary Left Radio. Uh, I think it's from a few years back. That was pretty cool, uh, probably a little more dense than the Book on Fire one, but it's cool to hear her. She's fucking awesome, and uh, yeah, that was that was helpful too. So, Charlie... You've seen way more witch movies than me. Uh, can I was wondering if you could recommend other witch movies for our listeners. Right, yeah, uh, so witch is probably my favorite uh, monster, which, yeah, not technically monster, whatever you want to argue, whatever. You know what I mean when I'm talking, when I say monster. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I just, I love them. I think they're one of the most versatile. They're also one of the ones you'll most, you'll see most often that like, they can play a role even when they're not a major role, which you don't see as often with other type True. of monsters. Um, uh, which is always neat and fun. Anyways, I don't think I have any particular deep cuts in this list. Um, but. I disagree, I'll, I'll... and I haven't even heard it yet. <laughs> you have heard it yet. <laughs> Don't remember. Okay. Uh, so it's just the right. Blair Witch and the Craft. Yes. <laughs> okay. I really need to rewatch both of those. Um, anyways. Uh, yeah, Blair Witch, I have not seen since it was in theaters. I know a lot of people love that movie. I really need to rewatch it. And The Craft, I don't know if I ever actually really watched it. I remember catching it on TV, but I don't know if I ever watched the full thing. But I also know a lot of people like that. Anyways, my list. So there's Haxen, which is a Danish documentary from the early 20s. It's just, it's really fucking awesome early special effects recreation of all these kind of like witch stories and stuff like that. Uh, you can actually. So Criterion did release that on DVD, and I think within the past couple of years, they put it out on Blu-ray. It's also on YouTube, and there's a few different versions of it. So there's the original movie with the original soundtrack. There's a uh, version from the 60s that cuts off, I think, around 30 minutes, but it has um, one of the great St. Louisians of... Uh, uh, William Burroughs narrating and it the bad thing about that it kind of gives it gives it a a jazz soundtrack which it's it's like an improv jazz soundtrack and it does not really <laughs> fit the fucking material so as awesome as the narration is the soundtrack kind of it's it's a mixed bag um yeah and then there's another version which kind of gives it more of a dark the soundtrack is the original silent version and a, a different soundtrack with kind of like a more of a dark ambient vibe, which I really like the soundtrack on that one. Um, it's better than the original soundtrack. So I guess that's the one I'd recommend. Uh, and once again, cool. you can find that on YouTube. So check it out. Um, 
Another one, one of my favorite movies of all time, Suspiria. Uh, Dario yeah. Argento, uh, one of my favorite directors. I know Rabbit just watched this for the first time in the past few months. Um, uh, yeah, it's an incredible movie. It kind of goes for a, a jalo vibe of Dario Argento's other stuff, but um, with a more supernatural witch uh, aspect that just fucking kills one of the greatest soundtracks ever the i mean dario argento the colors are obviously just fucking amazing and it's great he followed that up well he didn't follow that up but later he did a sequel inferno which gets even more batshit insane uh i also love that movie um and then later he did in the early 2000s he did Mother of Tears which I've never seen because I've heard it's a terrible movie and everything he did in the 2000s is completely fucking terrible but Luigi Cosi who is maybe known to some of our kaiju fans as uh the director that did the Italian version of the original Godzilla he did he was close friends with Dario Argento he even runs the Dario Argento Museum in um in Rome, I think. Uh, but he did his own uh, third movie in the series in the in, back in the 80s, uh, which I believe was written by, or co-written by Dario Nicolodi? Nicolodi? I don't know how to pronounce her name, but she, she had some writing. She co-wrote some of those, uh, I think she co-wrote Suspiria, maybe Inferno, and I think she appeared in them. But yeah, she co-wrote this one. It's not a great movie like Suspiria Inferno, but it's very, very entertaining and has some great, crazy, insane witch shit. Uh, nice. uh, Blood on Satan's Claws, it's considered one of the great folk horror movies and lots of cool witchcraft stuff and that about uh, children in this small village in England uh, discovering, like, the bone of Satan and it starts kind of... Uh, uh, not possess influencing them, I guess. Um, they start getting into witch territory. One of the things Hell with yeah. the whole witchcraft thing is like it also kind of blends with devil worshiping and devil cults and stuff like that. Um, totally. Yeah. Uh, which is also yeah, it's all my some of my favorite shit. Uh, Black Sunday, Mario Bava's. Uh, I think it was his first movie. One of his first movies. Just incredible. Uh, which movie, uh, Mario Bava, he made Black Sabbath, which the band named themselves after. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, the story is that back when they were named Earth, they did a show where, like, nobody showed up to. And they, after the show, they went out and they saw across the street was a movie playing Black Sabbath that had, like, a line going, like, around the corner of the building. And they're like, fucking people are lining up to watch just like insane horror stuff like let's name ourselves after that um hell yeah yeah uh but mario baba is an incredible director um and black sunday is a great witch movie by the way black sabbath albums three then one then two then four that's my rating of the first four (laughs) (laughs) uh Next one, um, Witchhammer. Uh, my mind's completely blanking on what that movie is, and I can't even think of what it is. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't. 
Okay, uh, another one. The Witches. I love that movie growing up. Rodol adaptation. Uh, it's just a wonderful, wonderful, fun movie with uh, great underlying dark stuff. Uh, watched it all the time growing up. Uh, oh, yeah. but, uh, Witchfinder General, um, starring uh, the great St. Louisian uh, Vincent Price, one of his more serious roles that kind of uh, shows more of his um, acting versatility. Uh, just a great one about him playing um, a real historical uh, witch hunter who just really uh, was a real piece of shit who would just uh, murder and torture women because it benefited him financially and gave him a position of power. Um, on the flip side of that is Inquisition, which is a Paul Nashie movie with Paul Nashie starring as the major role. Paul Nashie was like a great Spanish horror icon slash director, actor, writer. Um, this movie is him playing basically the same kind of role as as uh, the one in Witchfinder General. Um, he, he goes in the community as uh, to prosecute witches, and um, he kind of like uses his. There are actually witches in this, unlike Witchfinder General, but he uses his influence to kind of pressure women and, uh, you know, being subservient to him. And he's the bad guy, not the witches. Uh, but, 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 uh, Kiki's Delivery Service, right? Miyazaki, um, Studio Ghibli movie, uh, fantastic. I just watched it recently. Rosemary's Baby. Ron Polanski, obviously, is a complete fucking monster, but he is an incredible director, and Rosemary's Baby is an all-time favorite. Uh, Mystics in Bali, which is a great Indonesian movie uh, about witchcraft, and um, another one, uh, kind of tangential, is Throne of Blood, which just do not play a big role in that, but the witch scene that takes place in the beginning is super creepy and atmospheric, and it fucking rules yeah sorry i i went on way long um i also saw the band bell witch like uh uh years ago um it's a great band uh uh named after uh uh, an american witch story so uh uh i looked it up witch hammer remembered it remember it now um it's a Czechoslovakian uh, uh, movie um, about uh, witch trials. It's much more of a drama than a horror movie. But yeah, it's just about the horrendous witch trials that were going in Czechoslovakia at the time. As we brought up before, we kind of have our ideas of the witch trials kind of binded on, um, you know, the New World and, you know, maybe in more Western Europe. Uh, so it's kind of interesting to get that perspective of the Czechoslovakian witch trials. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. That was a fucking list, dude. Um, I know. <laughs> and no deep cuts at all. So good call. Um, They're not deep cuts to me. <laughs> well, but, but, wow. Cool. Um, sweet. Well, Thanks for listening. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at NoGodsPod. You can email us, NoGodsPod at gmail.com. And if you want to support the show, like, just do anything you can to, like, help. Obviously, a part of the, what we were talking about today is reproductive justice, and uh, that's still a problem. So 
uh, do anything you can to help with that. There's going to be links in the show notes for like big organizations that help with that, especially in Texas to try to help get people abortions that you can donate to, but anything that you can do like directly anybody you know that needs help, that's how you can support the show. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about these witch trials, like, you know, this is something that happened 300, 400 years ago. But the whole impetus behind the witch trials is the subjugation of half the population, subjugation of women and making them more and more subservient to men and the needs or desires what men want. And we still see that ongoing today with, uh, you know, we're getting more and more restriction on uh, body autonomy of women. And it's just something, you know, you, you people should consider this in the same light of it's just a, totally. a control over women of um, and trying to make it try and subjugate them to whatever the patriarchy uh, desires of them. Um, and, and I should add, like, it's extending to not, especially as gender is becoming more fluid, like, or recognized being more fluid, not just yes. women, but anybody with uterus. I mean, body autonomy and, and, any, and reproduction is just, yeah. Yes. And it's also extending to, you know, they're making it, in some places they're trying to make it illegal if you help out someone trying to get an abortion or anything like that. They're just trying to make it more wide and extending laws. And I don't want to get too Democrat versus Republican because I'm not a fan of the Democrats, but it's just Republicans are getting more and more control over the court system. So it's just becoming more and more ingrained in everything. Um, totally. Yeah. And it's very bleak. Very, very bleak. And only... I don't know. Like, yeah, it's a lot worse when there's Republicans in office, but it's terrible anyway. And so, like, we can't just yes. wait till we put the next person in. We have to do things, even if it's just yes. fucking donating to an organization, but, like, just helping each other and, like, not standing for the. I don't know. We can't do shit. We're, whatever. But it just fucking sucks. And yes. do anything we can. And the Democrats, they seem to only, a lot of the ones in power seem to only care as much as, well, People vote for us if we say this, like, this is our opposition um, to yeah, the Republicans exactly. against it. They don't really seem to care that much, and they will be willing to give up what they can in any compromise they can, and they don't seem to have any true beliefs or stance on the issue. Yeah. yeah. But you do. Yes. Are you talking about me or the listener? Okay. Both. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 